Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports. And we are your hosts here on a hump day edition of the Draft Dudes. We're not alone. We have a special guest with us. And uh, and Kyle and I are here today, along with our guests, to talk about the mid-season, all-draft-eligible team uh, that we put together on NDTScouting.com. And uh, Kyle, welcome to the show. What's going on? What's up, fam? Happy hump day. Uh, I personally, I'm, I'm really excited about today's show uh, because this is a cool concept. Uh, for those who, who, shame on you, are not following along at NDTScouting.com, in the preseason, our team of seven guys all voted on an all-draft-eligible team. These were guys that throughout the course of our summer studies, we had uh, high expectations. They were scored highly. They were the guys we thought were the the cream of the crop and uh, the the best available entering their senior years uh, or or their junior years, years that they are eligible for the NFL draft. And what we've done today is we've combined those expectations with the first half of the season on-the-field resumes. And it's kind of a difficult line to toe, uh, but when you have seven guys that are doing ballots, it makes it very interesting to see who values what in terms of on-the-field product versus overall body of work versus injuries for some guys, wasn't a big deal versus others. So there's a lot going on here. We've managed to come up with a first team 
uh, quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end, five offensive linemen, four defensive linemen, three linebackers, and four defensive backs. So um, we're going to get through that whole team today, and our guest who's with us is actually one of our national scouts at NDT Scouting, Mr. Ben Solak. So Ben, before we get into any of the formalities of the the ballot and the final results, we'd like to thank thank you for your time, welcome you to the Draft Dudes podcast, and uh, ask you how your hump day is going. Oh, every day is a good day to be alive, my friend. No, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on. I'm excited to talk through this team. Some really interesting guys. But uh, yeah, long-time listener, first-time guest for me, too. This is pretty sweet. <laughs> Bucket list item checked, yeah. Oh, almost definitely. First one there, too. You know, before any, like, sightseeing trips, it was just get on the Draft Dudes podcast. So of course, of there course, we go with that course. one. Yeah. So. Yes, yes. Kind of an impromptu. Ben's had about five minutes to digest uh, the the final team. So it'll be exciting to see his very raw uh, reactions to this. Before yeah. we get into it, Kyle, I've got two numbers for you today. Are you ready for them? Uh, I believe I'm ready for your numbers. Okay. All 197. right. 197. 197. We are 197 days away from the 2018 NFL draft with the 197th pick in the 1983 NFL draft. The Denver Broncos selected a quarterback out of Texas A&M by the name of Gary Kubiak. Oh, how about that? How about That's those? A nice little nugget there. Not bad, That's right? Solid. I mean, original draft pick by the Broncos goes on to be their head coach and all the all the uh, history that he had as John Elway's backup and then his head coach when John Elway was a general manager and now he's retired. I've got one more for you, just in case the Gary Kubiak uh, didn't wet your whistle today. Uh, let me give you one more here. 197 is also the amount of wins that Vanderbilt head coach Dan McGuinn had. Now, Dan McGuinn, head coach of Vanderbilt from 1904 to 1934, the man was 197, 55, and 19, a winning percentage of 762. He's in the top 20 in college football wins all time. So Vanderbilt football, when you are down about the way your program looks, just remember that you were good back in the early 1900s. That's uh, that's quite a reach there, Gumby. Hey, it's relevant. I, I suppose well, it is relevant. We're talking about 197. So that's it. Um, I guess we're we're probably going to move on here. Actually, before we get into uh, the the all draft eligibles bed, uh, we need to get your opinion on one very pressing issue, and it's not fidget spinners or or rompers. It's something else entirely. If you had a top overall draft selection to spend on a breakfast cereal, what cereal would it be on the spot? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'll be honest with you. I didn't expect this question. That's an interesting one. I was talking with Joe earlier about uh, how much I also appreciated Dane Brugler's innovation of the cinnamon milk of cinnamon, cinnamon toast crunch. So you have to figure if that catches on, which it should – then we'll see an uptick in Cinnamon Toast Crunch sales. So I'll guess that'll be my answer. I've always been a big Cinnamon Toast Crunch fan. So I think that it's just near and dear enough to my heart that I'll go I'll go with Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Okay, so you took the solid triple. No, it's not a home mm-hmm. run necessarily because everybody, it's everybody's number one overall prospect. But, you know, you're, you're going with the safe bet. You're not, you're not rolling the dice here on the draft dudes in the event that you don't want to get uh, not invited back. 
Absolutely. And I'm, I'm a careful investor, man. I'm young. You know, I've got to make sure that uh, my, my nest egg is secure. <laughs> so CTC is the move. Yeah, you got a savvy, savvy mind, my friend. Uh, yes, let's sir. let's talk about this final uh, final ballot from our team at NDT Scouting and our our midseason all draft eligible team. Uh, let's outline the offense. Interested to get you guys uh, with with your takes. Uh, quarterback was Josh Rosen, UCLA. Running backs were Saquon Barkley, Penn State, and Bryce Love of Stanford. Wide receivers Anthony Miller of Memphis. James Washington of Oklahoma State, tight end Adam Brenneman from UMass, formerly of Penn State. Our offensive linemen were Quentin Nelson, Notre Dame, Orlando Brown, Oklahoma, Will Hernandez, UTEP, Chukwuma Okorafor, Western Michigan, and Frank Ragnow from Arkansas. Joe, can I get your initial gut reaction to this offensive unit? The interest that I had with uh, with this ballot being revealed is, you know, what everybody put together was where the group went with quarterback. And uh, I understand there was a lot of different answers submitted on this. And it uh, looks like the staff went with Josh Rosen, which is fine. But the guy that I submitted was the guy I teased on Monday's show, and that's North Carolina State quarterback Ryan Finley. Um, mm-hmm. I, I understand that his traits aren't that of the other quarterbacks in this class, but I valued the way they're playing right now highly in my ballot. And a guy that's quarterbacking this Wolfpack offense that is firing on all cylinders right now, he's completing 71% of his passes, averaging over 300 yards a game, 10 touchdowns against zero interceptions. He's, uh, you know, he's at right at eight yards per, per attempt. You know, he's working the football to all levels of the field, making great windows throw, challenging one-on-one coverage. I don't think I've seen a quarterback playing better this season than Ryan Finley, and um, nobody else agreed with me. So that's fine. I'm alone on this hill. But uh, I really like what I'm seeing from Ryan Finley, and hopefully he'll gain some steam here as the as the process continues. Yeah, we had five different quarterbacks get votes. So wow. that uh, that tells you a lot about – and this, again, was something that I thought was interesting about how we choose to package this as – a blend of what your preseason expectations were versus what you got in the first half of the season. Uh, Rosen, Finley, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson all get votes. Uh, So, Ben, I'm curious, your initial reaction, I know this is still a fresh list to you, um, but when you look up and down this offensive ballot, anything that stands out to you, whether that's with the quarterback position or anything else, yeah, I mean, I was a Lamar voter, and uh, I've been big in Finley's camp for the entirety of the season. I remember that when week one, you know, kicked off, I was covering NC State versus South Carolina for NGT Scouting. And I remember both you and I, Kyle, went to Twitter pretty quick after watching Finley's first game and said, okay, this is, uh, you know, we got a live one here as far as, you know, he, he managed that, that football game very well, and he hasn't stopped impressing. But I went Lamar. He's the entire offense in Louisville. It's just, you know, he's got, after the injury to... Jalen Smith, I think it is, you know, that wide receiver. He's got no help. You know, I, the, what was the the percentage, Joe? It was 91% of the yep, offense he accounted 91%, for? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I, I can't put, turn up my nose at that. But to me, the biggest omission is Finley's target. Jalen Samuels, I know he's not a traditional tight end, but to have any tight end 
above the performance he's put out so far this year, to me, is that's a cardinal sin. I mean, he's at a point where he's going to have over 1,000 yards from scrimmage this year, you know, 129 on the ground with five rushing touchdowns. I mean, he's their goal line back, and he plays tight end. And then you've got 425 through the air, three touchdowns catching the football. You know, he had over 100 yards against Louisville, you know, one massive, like, 76-yard touchdown. The Swiss Army Knife effect you get from a guy like Jalen Samuels, you know, and and – coming up for a comp for him is so difficult. You know, I've heard uh, Ty Montgomery is one that I kind of like in the sense that he's a little bit of a, a, of a bigger back, smaller receiver, but he can give you an impact in both. Uh, you know, I've heard Kyle Juszczyk or Juszczyk, wherever you say the fullback's last name, but, you know, I've heard that they like him as well because Jalen Samuels can lead block, but the effect that he has on that NC State offense and how valuable he's going to be to a, a creative offensive coordinator, to me, I, that that was one where I didn't really hesitate. You know, like wide receiver two, I had to think a little bit off offensive tackle too I had to think a little bit on the offense but to me I, I you know Brennan surprised me there I know he's athletic and everything but Jalen Samuels has been lighting it up this year well Ben I'm a little offended you're talking so down on my vote for all draft <laughs> eligible tight end Adam Brenneman and I know I'm not the only person in this conversation that voted for Adam Brenneman so Joseph Brenneman <laughs> has 500 receiving yards in five games now, granted, he missed the Tennessee game, and that that was a total buzzkill. I would have been interested to see if Brenneman played in that game. You know, UMass lost 17-13 without their best offensive player. Um, could, could have, should have, would have. Uh, that, unfortunately, may end up being the theme of Brenneman's you know, pro career based on just how bad his knee injury was that cost him a year at Penn State. But he's back. He looks good. Hopefully the year off really did him, him well to help him heal. Um, but I agree. I mean, Jalen Samuels was on my short list as far as, you know, the, before the season it was Dallas Goddard and mm-hmm. you know, Mark Andrews was up there and Mike Gusecki was up there. For me it was Samuels, Brenneman, and Hayden Hurst from South Carolina were like my three candidates for this. Um if we look up and down, you know, just my initial reaction is we have four consensus names offensively that were on every single ballot. Saquon Barkley, that's how I know I'm employing good people when everybody votes for Saquon Barkley. That's mm-hmm. as no-brainer as it gets. We had three offensive linemen, Quentin Nelson, who also, that's how I know I'm employing good people because he's one of the best football players in college football this year. I mean, he's, yeah. if, you're, if you're ignoring positional value, somebody like Quentin Nelson, you look at size, strength, demeanor, mentality, football intelligence, technical skills, experience at playing against quality competition. I mean, he checks every single box. Like He's probably, I could tell you, I've been doing my, my scoring system long enough now, I could tell you just by kind of eyeballing him where he's at, uh, he's going to be a top 10, top 15 player on my draft board. It's just yeah. uh, it, as an offensive guard. Uh, Saquon Barkley is another one that, you know, I did some pre- preliminary running of some metrics for him. If he tests anything like he was reported to have tested in the spring, uh, I, I'm not convinced he's not a cyborg. Like he is <laughs> outrageously, he's going to test off the wall in every single metric that I test for. And his film score is tremendous. Like, Barkley may be my top player in 2018. 
Just, oh, yeah. He's just, early just, favorite for sure. Yeah, I mean, just, just because he checks every box. And Quentin Nelson's the same thing. Granted, it's a much less sexy position as, as an offensive lineman, but uh, glad to see him get love as, as a unanimous. I believe he was a unanimous in the preseason as well. Uh, our other two unanimous vote-getters on offense were Orlando Brown, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma, and Frank Ragnow, uh, the center from Arkansas. So uh, I enjoyed seeing some consensus here. I always appreciate getting different viewpoints, but when different viewpoints all come back to the same end solution, that's always something uh, that I enjoy. Joe, I'm going to ask you for one name that you had on your ballot that didn't make the final list that you really lament not getting the opportunity to be recognized. Well, the the only other name really that didn't make it from my list was uh, at offensive line. That's Braden Smith out of Auburn. Uh, he's a guy I liked a ton over the summer, and they flirted with the idea of playing him at tackle. They wisely kept him at guard, uh, playing at right guard for them, and and he's he's just moving people, man. And um, you know the reason they thought he could play tackle is because he's athletic and has some lateral mobility, and that helps him at guard to get to the second level and climb and, and make blocks in space. But he still has that power that he can uncoil and move people that are right on top of him. And I think he's playing at a high level in Auburn, man. I mean, they lost by eight points to Clemson, but they are playing good football and yeah. maybe the un- most underrated team in the country, as I as I noted on our uh, Week Seven college football rankings. All right, Ben. You know we've already kind of covered the name that's that you didn't have that made it. So my question for you is you said you struggled a little bit with wide receiver two. Who else was in consideration? Your, your two votes were James Washington and Anthony Miller. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Yeah, I was I was struggling with James Washington, and we talked about this a little bit off air because you've got a player in the Pac-12, Dante Pettis, who's playing some good football. And Pettis, it's it's tough for me because I didn't I wasn't high on Pettison in my summer evals and, and looking at him preseason, I was really worried about the athlete that he was because I knew he tested well, but I didn't see it translate onto the field the way I wanted to. Fast forward to 2017 and you've got a different storyline because Dante Pettis is really, really impressed so far. You know, obviously the punt return game is, is special and that special team's value is going to boost his draft stock for sure. But addressing the football in the air, I've been very impressed with his catch radius, his ability to to attack the football at its highest point. And then I've seen more more suddenness from him than I ever expected to, particularly in, in kind of the lateral field because he's always you know been a good straight line athlete but he doesn't have much wiggle to him and everything and I, and I worried about his ability to to generate releases and he's he's impressed in that regard I went for James Washington because mind-bogglingly James Washington is averaging 23 yards per reception this year or something which I understand that he's in a very vertical style of an offense and he's not facing much competition but that's going to be by far his best yards per catch average by three yards that's a third of the football field or or that's a fourth of the football field excuse me which is amazing and and I, I can't you know turn my nose about that level of production Anthony Miller I I watched that that uh that Memphis game and I just you know, against UConn, I'm thinking to myself, all right, eventually they're going to figure out what to do with this kid. Eventually they're going to double him or triple him or something, and he's going to be stopped. He's been so impressive, man. 
Yeah, he's he's probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite riser throughout the yeah. early, the, the first half of the year. Uh, ben, I'm kind of curious if James Washington doesn't torch Pitt for 80 yards per catch. Is he still your your vote for wide receiver too? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Uh, you know, in a world of ifs and buts, I mean, you know, what do you want to say? Dude, if Dante, I, if Dante Pettis could handle Isaiah Oliver, maybe he makes it to my wide receiver too. But he struggled. Ooh, man, <laughs> hey, we're throwing shade. Okay, I mean, I was just poking fun at Pitt defensive backs and how they probably have PTSD anytime they see James Washington on TV. <laughs> yeah, um, but that was a massacre. Right. That right. was ugly. Welcome to the show, Ben. You're you're officially live on the air because you're throwing shade at my hosting. So defensively, <laughs> we have. Uh, four defensive linemen, three linebackers, two corners, and two safeties. Total of four defensive backs. I'm going to break down through the list. Ben, I'm going to start with you since you're our lovely guest this afternoon. I'm going to pick your brain first. Cleland Farrell, defensive end, Clemson, redshirt sophomore. Bradley Chubb, defensive end, North Carolina State. Agbanya Okoronwu, Oklahoma, defensive lineman, defensive end, stand-up rush linebacker, whatever you want to call him. Defensive tackle Deron Payne, Alabama. Those are our four defensive linemen on the first team, all draft eligibles for NDT through the first half of the year. Linebackers were Roquan Smith from Georgia, Sean Dion Hamilton from Alabama, Josie Jewell from Iowa. Our starting corners in this crop were Tavares McFadden, Florida State, Duke Dawson from Florida, and our safeties were Minka Fitzpatrick, Alabama, and Derwin James, Florida State. Ben. First reaction when you look at this list. My my first reaction is, you know, very accurate as to what my ballot was. I was 9 for 11 on this list. My biggest differences being I had Maurice Hurst uh, in place of Ogbenaya Okorunquo for the defensive line. And then I had Armani Watts as a replacement for Derwin James on the back end as a safety. And I think the biggest storyline for me there has to be the performance of Derwin James so far this year from Florida State. Because as much as I love Derwin James in theory, and as much as I want him to be healthy, and he's also a, he's a good player. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no shaking that. He's been up and down, and he hasn't you know, necessarily showed what I want to see from a safety. You know, I love him in the box and blitzing off the nickel and all that kind of, I don't want to say it's extra stuff because it's still valuable, but kind of all that that adjacent periphery stuff is really cool. But some of just the basic safety things I want to see, like breaking down in space and, and kind of showing that single high range, it hasn't been at the level at which I expected for Derwin James. Armani Watts, who I had in place of him at Texas A&M, has also been up and down. I'm not going to say that you know he's really shown out to be a better player than Derwin James, but on a defense that's occurred a lot of injury, and uh, he's been asked to do more and more. Armani Watts won't stop making plays. I mean, he's he's up there with leading uh, receptions or excuse me interceptions when secondary players in college go. He's he's tackling very well across the field. He sniffs out the ball really quick, and he's got good instincts. This I think is more, Armani over Derwin for me is more about how Derwin has been struggling a little bit. And you know, when he goes to the combine and we check out those injuries, I, I'm not sure his explosiveness is going to be where we think it is. And, and I don't know, you know, kind of similar. Not exactly, but similar to that Jabril Peppers conversation. I don't know where we're going to be able to slot him come April. Yeah, and, and you're preaching the choir here because all three of us had Armani. On oh, our what's ballots. up? Yeah, so you're you are amongst Armani Hive here. Uh, Watts is one of my favorite football players. You know, I I think he's done a nice job this year cleaning up his tackling in comparison to last year. Yeah, uh, I mean, he could hit you like a ton of bricks. Uh, he'll <laughs> he'll drop you like a sack of potatoes, but. 
Uh, too many times kind of caught grasping in space, not wrapping up. I'm seeing less of that this year, so highly encouraged by that. Joe, when you look at this defensive grouping, anything in particular that jumps out at you immediately? Yeah, so when when I look at this list, I see a bunch of guys that we kind of expected to be really good and were on everyone's radar. But then right in the middle, Georgia linebacker Roquan Smith is a yeah. guy that didn't have a lot of buzz around him entering the season, but the way he's playing is absolutely impossible to ignore. And, and George is obviously enjoying a great season so far. And if you watch any Georgia games, man, this dude is a missile to the football. He's attacking downhill quick. He's reading clean. He's getting outside and making plays to the sidelines. He's, you know, he's got the springy steps to, to make plays in coverage. And he's really ascended from a guy that, you know, I knew who he was because I spent some time at Georgia this summer, but I didn't realize that he was a legitimate, like big time NFL linebacker prospect. And the way he's played this first half has got my attention in, in a big way. And and he was one of the first, when I, when I filled out my ballot, it's like, I gotta, I gotta have Roquan Smith in there. And I had to overlook some really good football players to just pick only three linebackers. But man, Roquan Smith was impossible for me to leave out. Yeah. That's one of the things that stood out to me with mine too, uh, was this linebacker group. We had seven linebackers get votes for first team. Um, Malik Jefferson, you know, highly regarded as far as uh, highly coveted recruit coming out of high school, uh, has been you know, a buzz name at Texas for three years now, two and a half years now. Uh, he got one vote. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds from, from Virginia Tech, who was on my ballot, uh, only got two votes. Uh, Sky Moore from South Carolina logged his 13th interception of his career as a linebacker. Thirteen! Got one vote from yours truly. Two of my linebackers didn't make it. Um, so I, I thought it was interesting to see uh, the deviation in two groups in particular, the linebacker group and the corner group. Uh, names that got votes were uh, Tavares McFadden and Duke Dawson, who made the first team. Jair Alexander from Louisville made uh, got, got received votes. Denzel Ward from Ohio State. Adonis Alexander from Virginia Tech. Uh, Quentin Meeks and uh, Isaiah Oliver also got votes. As well, so there's a there's a lot of candidates at these two groups in particular, the linebacker group and the corner group, that stood out to me. Um, my two votes on the back end for safeties were Armani and Derwin. Uh, I did not cast a vote for Minka. Uh, I am ashamed to say I'm the only person who did not cast a vote for Minka. Uh, that that's kind of one of our two halves of two different reasons. One, uh, I haven't seen a lot of Minka, so I, I don't want to take, I don't just want to take everybody's word for it, right? So he's not somebody I'm totally up to speed on yet. Uh, Alabama is not a team I've gotten around to scouting live uh, throughout the course of the season so far. So uh, that's still a star next to that name waiting for me to work my way back around. Uh, but I really like, you know, Ben went in pretty good detail about Derwin and, and some of Derwin's struggle this year, and he, he's been up and down. Um, but I do love the versatility that, that he brings to the table. Uh, I think he's better in coverage than what Jabril Peppers was, so I, I don't necessarily think that's a one-to-one comparison. Um, but I can see how some people will have apprehension there. Mm-hmm. And I think the closer you play him, he's almost... He's like a linebacker-sized Carl Joseph, I feel like. He doesn't have that range on the back end. Like mm-hmm. Carl, Carl has really nice range center field style. Uh, 
But Derwin, you see him walked up. He's playing linebacker. He's playing edge rusher. When he's playing forward, he's incredible. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not necessarily asking him to play a lot of man-to-man. He can play man-to-man on some tight ends and be just fine. Um, but I, I, I still really like, even though there's, there's missed tackles and, you know, uh, it's the NC State game. He was just a boneheaded challenge in the open field on the back end. Ended up yielding like a 70-plus yard touchdown. Good players have bad plays too. And, and Derwin got buried for that play. Buried on social media. Oh, that was, that was terrible. You know, this, that's the worst tackle challenge I've seen all game. So on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, regardless of what you think of, of Sam Darnold, uh, Darnold's not played great this year. He's still a good football player, but he's not making good decisions with the ball. Um, Saquon Barkley misses cuts every now and again. Wide receiver, top wide receiver prospects drop passes every now and again. It's just one of those things. So I'm not going to be too quick to knock Derwin just because when I watched his, his, his other games throughout the course of the summer and I watched what I've seen so far this year, he's still going to be up on that list for me. Joe, name on your defensive list that did not make the final list that, that uh, you were surprised to see. Yeah, I had – I think I was just like Ben on this one. I had nine out of 11. Uh, I guess the the big omission we, – we've talked about Armani Watt who didn't make the list. So the only other guy that I had on my list that didn't make it was Harold Landry, the, uh, the defensive end, I guess, uh, from Boston College who came into the season highly regarded. And uh, I think he's – Got at least a sack per game. I'm pulling up the producers pulling up the numbers right now. Yeah, he's got eight tackles for loss, five sacks through six games. Um, so you know he's still getting to the to the quarterback, doing what you expect him to do. And um, I, it's probably more to do with other players on more prominent teams uh, having success. But I think Harold Landry is still performing at the level we thought he would, and, and I I didn't have any reason to take him off. So I think Harold Landry is, is for me the only other player outside of Armani Watt that was on my ballot that's not on our our uh, consensus composite uh, team. Uh, and, Ben, my question for you here is, can you give me some of your personal insight on you – know, Joe and I have talked about him extensively. The only consensus player on the defensive side of the football is Bradley Chubb. Hmm. Uh, how much of him have you seen, and, and what are some of your individual thoughts on him? I know he did make your ballot. Yeah, Bradley Chubb, man. Uh, I've, I've seen him twice this year in live scouting for NDT, so twice formally. It was actually the first week against South Carolina and then the most recent game against Louisville. And Bradley Chubb's already my kind of a player. You know, I, I'm a sucker for these uh, really just uh, technically sound edge players, play the run very well, fit their hands nicely, maybe not the greatest athletes, but they just play a really sound game, and you can tell their game is refined. And Bradley Chubb fit, has fit that mold since day one, and so I've always been a Chubb guy. And then 2017, and he started flying off the ball like nothing I'd ever seen from him in 2016. And uh, you can just you can see that that Bradley Chubb is playing like a man who very clearly thinks that he is the best, like you know, defensive player up in his class coming up, best edge player. You know, he's got something to prove, you know. And and this NC State team is as good as they've been in a while, and and he's a big part of that. And and I think he's emotionally invested in that. It's a prideful sort of a player. But the way that Bradley Chubb can can pressure you from the inside and from the outside, the way that he uh, can work his hands through his reps, and you know he's got excellent tilt. You know, uh, you guys had that that pod talking about the the different 
different ways a rusher can rush, you know, the things to watch for. And then Bradley Chubbs went out and put out teaching tape against Louisville, just as far as rushing with tilt goes, you know, working the hands to soften the angle. He's refined. And I wrote about it in, in my game notes for – uh, that Louisville game in the sense that a lot of folks ended up overthinking Carl Lawson, you know, went to the, uh, to the Bengals in the fourth round, obviously had a big injury. So the situation's different, but a lot of folks overthought Carl Lawson cause he was a little bit smaller. He wasn't the greatest athlete and sure he was technically polished, but you know, all we could get, you know, uh, taco Charlton and, and, and Charles Harris and all these other guys who are bigger, longer, bendier, whatever. And now Carl Lawson's leading the league in rookie pressures or some nonsense like that. I mean, he's just showing up in Cincinnati. I think, you know, there's a temptation to overthink Bradley Chubb in that way a little bit and say he's not going to test super well. You know, he's not exactly the longest, the loosest sort of a guy. The polish on his game is going to translate on day one. You want a guy who's going to pressure the quarterback the moment you put him out on the field, draft Bradley Chubb and draft him early because he's going to be a good player for you for a long time. Yeah, I don't think necessarily this is a one-to-one comparison, but as far as the concerns about Chubb's athletic profile, look at Joey Bosa, right? Like, Joey Bosa yeah. did not yeah. test great, uh, but Chubb, like Bosa, is pretty advanced as far as, you know, from a technique standpoint, and utilizing his hands and playing off of contact, and uh, Bosa's had no problem finding production in the NFL, and I think Chubb's another one of those players. He has a plan. His football intelligence is high, uh, so mm-hmm. I think that mixed with his motor and mixed with his technical skills and his, his functional strength, it, he's going to do just fine. Uh, Joe, parting shot. Any individual that either made the list, didn't make the list, that you feel like has a lot to prove you're looking forward to seeing in the second half of the season? Um, you know, I guess the guy that is buzzy for me when I look at this list is Josie Jewell, the linebacker from Iowa. And, and Ben and I actually spent – several hours I think before the season yeah. watching uh, Josie Jewell tape and we, we broke him down pretty pretty extensively and uh, we never questioned his football intelligence and his his ability to react to plays and, and get to the football it was always you know he doesn't have that that burst that ability to really flow laterally and and present that speed and range that you're looking for on the second level and this guy man you know he he didn't. He's not perfect, but he's playing at a high level, making plays all over the field right now. And I don't think he's, you know, a first round player or anything like that. But you know, I want to take a, a deeper look into Jewel the rest of the way here. And I know they're getting into some tougher Big Ten opponents and stuff. Kind of see how he's how he's playing if he's improved his athleticism and you know the production's there, and see you know just kind of see if there's any type of reason to be excited about his movement skills that's making him you know such an impactful player this season. So he's a guy that you worry that he's one of those better college football players than pro players, but you also don't want to miss a Chris Borland type player, if you will. And not to say that that's, that's a one for one by any means, but it's easy to label Chris Borland, a good college football that doesn't have an NFL, you know, real course for him being a great player. I want to really take a deep dive into jewel and see what's going on there. Ben, same question to you. I'm looking at the three Alabama players going up this defense as far as Deron Payne on the line, Sean Deion Hamilton, the linebacker, and then Minka. You you brought up Minka Fitzpatrick, the safety. I've had Alabama twice now this year, and geez, they're so stinking good. It's just frustrating. Uh, I'm I'm particularly intrigued by Sean Deion Hamilton. I think he's got the potential to be up there with throw as far as the best backer goes in this class. Coming off of injury, he's been a quieter hype coming into the year, but 
as far as quickness of reaction and then burst to close, one of the best I've seen. Deron Payne is going to be a good football player for somebody. You know, interior defensive line, where do you draft them? How valuable are they? But, man, I mean, he's got some of the most powerful hands, upper body strength, and he's got enough of a motor. He's making pursuit tackles, great player. And then Minka, I, you know, there's the debate between whether or not he's a corner or a safety. From what I've seen from him, put him wherever the heck you want. I mean, the, the change of direction skills aren't great, but the physicality, the, the, the instinct, he reads the quarterback so well. I'm excited to hear your takes on him, Kyle, when you watch him. But this Alabama factory won't start producing good players. I'm just excited to watch him as the year goes. Yeah, I think that's, that's something that needs to be cleared up right now. Uh, is I, I have a bone to pick with this entire staff. Uh, I haven't had All a right. chance to watch Alabama because we do a weekly draft, right? <laughs> and we get to pick what game we want to watch, and we went in reverse order of seniority. So week one, I had the last pick. I have not had a chance to pick Alabama one freaking game this year uh, unless they were playing, you know, St. Mary's School of the Blind, and I'm (laughs) not going to draft Alabama playing, you know, some low-end team. So would you guys please let me pick an Alabama game at some point this year? I feel like I'm missing out. You guys, Ben's seen them twice. Joe, have you scouted them? No, that's, the truth is I watched the Florida State game, but I haven't, you know, been tasked with really covering it at a deep level. So, you know, I, I haven't seen a ton of Alabama this year, and partly because they're not playing competitive games. You know, so, you know, you're not catching the second halves when you when you are able to, you know, when I'm actually on my couch and not at a game uh, to be able to flip through. I'm not going to watch the second half of a game that's 40 to 3, you know. So uh, I will do it at some point to, to get my degree of familiarity up. But, man, yeah, Alabama, my exposure has not been what it has to some of the other schools so far. And you know what? That That's a, actually a tough assignment. I want to tip the hat to Ben here because anytime you get a game like this where Alabama literally has, what, 12 prospects? All of them. Yeah, like everybody's oh, an NFL prospect. And you have to watch and notate 20-plus guys – on one one squad, I mean that's a really tough assignment. Uh, so I don't want to throw Ben under the bus too much. Uh, that workload is another reason why I'm not picking Alabama in some of the weeks where they're yeah. not playing premier premier competition, just because that's that's too much work. So that Alabama a- that Alabama Florida State game that first week. I mean, exactly. You said I had the first pick because yeah. uh, least experience. Jiminy Christmas, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, you, I thought- you probably had 30 players in that game. Overload, man. I had papers across the desk like nobody's business. <laughs> and then you've also got to keep track of who's popping, which on the Alabama defense is everybody. It's everyone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. They've got a junior rusher, uh, Terrell Bugs. I think his, his name is, number 49, who uh, he played for Texas a- the Texas A&M game. He's a, he's a transfer out of JUCO. Wow. Get eyes right away. Unbelievable player. Yeah. Uh, my parting thought is uh, RB2. You know, we, we threw some love at Bryce Love, um, mm-hmm. but Darius Geis did not make this list. Nick Chubb did not make this list. Nick Chubb and Darius Geis each got one vote, which you know split between two running backs on six different polls. Um, yeah, it, it's it's more of a more of a testament to the way Bryce Love has played this year. I think by all means, nobody's shortchanging those other guys. But somebody like Darius Geis, I don't know what it is with this top-tier LSU running backs that get nicked up in the first month of the season. Geis has been battling off and on a lingering injury. So this is someone, for me personally, I want to see him turn around. I want to see him be fully effective 
know, because he is somebody that's so explosive and dynamics with his cuts. If you've got something that's lingering, it's going to affect you, even if you're able to play. And I think you're seeing that with guys. So just as far as being a game, a fan of his game in general and, and his ability to carry the football, uh, that's kind of my parting shot looking at this is, you know, is Bryce Love the real deal? Uh, can Nick Chubb continue to showcase that strength and balance that he has as a ball carrier that, that looks much more dynamic than what it did last year, his first year back from injury? And Darius Geis, you know, is he somebody who is going to get the opportunity to heal at any point throughout the season? Or is his his year just really you know, wrapped down to, oh, he got dinged up early and his whole year he could never really get 100% back? So that, that's an interesting group for me for the second half of the year. But that is going to wrap it for us today. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for taking some time listening to the Draft Dudes. We hope you guys enjoyed this. It was a fun project for us. You know, everybody got their ballots in, and, and fun to see different names. Um, now, I've got a great staff of guys here at NDT Scouting, and each and every one of these guys does such hard work every week, not just in season, but over the summer, in the winter, uh, so I'm really looking forward to what's on the horizon for us. Uh, so make sure you guys keep up to track, up to date with that. You can do that by subscribing to the Draft Dudes podcast on iTunes or any of the other podcast outlets that you may be consuming the Draft Dudes through. We kindly ask that you hit that subscribe button. You leave us a review if you'd like. Uh, we'd love to hear feedback on the show. You can reach us on social media. I am at NDT Scouting. Joe is at the Joe Marino. Ben, I don't want to get it wrong. Where can folks follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Benjamin Solak. Solak is S-O-L-A-K. Yeah, he makes it easy for you guys. You know, he, he's great customer service oriented individual. He's going to make his Twitter <laughs> handle super easy for you to find. So make sure you follow Ben on Twitter as well. Please uh, also feel free to swing by NDTScouting.com where we will have this full comprehensive list of the midseason all-draft eligibles. I am Kyle Krabs signing off with Ben Solak and Joe Marino, and this is the Draft Dudes Podcast. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. Hey folks, Dirk Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy. Performing, recording, traveling, being a husband and a father, it's a busy life, and I need to be 100% every day. So when my battery starts running low, I grab a sugar-free, vitamin-packed, five-hour energy shot. It tastes great, and it gets me back to 100% fast. Try it. It could work for your busy life, too. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.